0: On this episode, I sit down with CEO and co-founder of the technology company, Stream. Stream is an augmented reality software that allows consumers to virtually connect and diagnose their maintenance issues with professionals directly through their smartphone. Ryan and I talk about the importance of testing your assumptions, making micro-pivots in business, and the value of surrounding yourself with positive influencers. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Today, I have Ryan Fink. He is the founder of a company called Stream. Ryan, thanks for joining us today.
1: Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me.
0: So why don't you, uh, I guess we can just start out by you you tell us who you are and what you're doing currently at Stream.
1: Yeah, great. Um, My name is Ryan Fink. Uh, I'm the CEO and co-founder of a company called Stream. Um, We're building a remote collaboration uh, platform for home service professionals. So essentially what that means is you're a consumer, um, something breaks, your internet goes out, your appliance goes down um you can uh, get in touch with a home service pro to help you solve that or diagnose the problem um as easily and quickly as it is to to hail a ride um so it's it's really about this on demand connecting to expertise uh through a video stream
0: so the idea would be you said hail a ride so thinking like the Lyft Uber type of app but like for example my um dryer is broken theoretically in the near future, I could say, you know, get on this app and take a video of where I'm at in the room and someone would be on there to chat with me. Is that how it would work?
1: Yeah. So essentially what would happen is, uh, at the press of a button, it'll connect you with, with a pro. Um, so if you have something wrong with your, your dryer, um, it'll connect you with an appliance repairman. Um, and what that means is it's a one way video, two way audio. So you, you, as the customer just point your phone sit back and let the professional uh, see your video feed and guide you through how to diagnose the issue Um, and the pro's got a uh, some tools at his uh, disposal so he's got a laser pointer and an augmented reality 3d arrow that he could anchor um, to the environment and these tools are really meant to just help the collaboration be more efficient so instead of saying Hey, do you see that button? No, not that. One. No, not that one. <laughs> he can actually say, "Hey, look at this button," and attach an arrow um, to the button.
0: Hmm. So how does how does this? I mean, it sounds practical now. How do you uh, or your team come up with this? Do you is, do you guys have experience in the service industry, or like who told you that this is something that like is it more of a pain point for consumers or the um, the service provider that was that was asking for
1: this. Yeah, so it started off because my co-founder Sean Atkinson and myself, um, just from a consumer perspective, um, Sean just got done building a home, and he was essentially the the GC on the build, and just the whole process of communicating and collaborating and sharing and, and collecting information was very antiquated, and there just had to be a better way to do it. And for myself, just maintaining my own home um, and spending sometimes weeks with um, an appliance or uh, something in the home broke before I can get someone to come out and look at it and then tell me, oh, you know what? You could have just solved this issue by going to Home Depot. Um, We really started building stream out of uh, the consumer pain point. But as soon as we started building stream, one of the first things we did was we got professionals on, uh, on our platform within a month of us just prototyping nights and weekends to really start to test and, and kill our assumptions. And what we very quickly learned was these pros um, were even more eager than we were as consumers for a technology like Stream, something that can make them, something that's so simple, but can make them so much more efficient. So we really started to evolve the platform into something that you know we we want pros to love and pros to use.
0: So, what are the immediate? And I think I have some ideas, but in your words, what are the immediate benefits for a pro to jump on and use something like this? You said efficiency, and to kind of describe that.
1: Yeah. So, right now we we have a wide range of different pros, but um, I'll, I'll go with uh, handyman, for instance. Um, Today, they have to go out on site. Well, there's one of two ways. They either go out on site, they spend upwards of, believe it or not, 40 to 60% of their day in traffic traveling from site to site. Um, So they go on to the customer's home, they assess the situation, they collect the measurements and information they need, and then they go back and they create a quote. Um, And then they, they deliver that quote to the customer. And the customer may say, hey, yeah, I choose you, or no, you don't get the job. And then that pro just spent a lot of time and energy uh, for nothing. Um, or the second way, which may even be worse, is a lot of times uh, professionals are giving quotes uh, and diagnosing things over the phone. So they're doing it blind. They're trying to make the best guess uh, to their ability, uh, but they're having an inexperienced customer um, try to die almost describe the problem to them, um, and then they try to diagnose it and come up with some sort of range. Uh, and both of those ways are extremely efficient or or very accurate. So with Stream, the pro can avoid the, the truck rollout, they can avoid that first unnecessary trip. They can see uh, the issue at hand, they can diagnose it, and collect things like measurement through our app, all remotely without rolling a truck, And now, if they win the job, great. They spent 10 minutes instead of two hours. Um, And if they didn't win the job, then, you know, it's only 10 minutes. So it's not that big of a deal.
0: That's that, yeah. We, uh, and this is a real experience from my own house. We, something happened with our garage door. um, A cable came loose or something. And just the way you're describing that, I felt bad, honestly. I called four different places and I just wanted a quote. And every single one of them said, Like, well, I can schedule something for, you know, next uh, Tuesday. Someone said they could come out tomorrow afternoon. And like, as you're saying this, I'm thinking I'm already taking their time. They're already talking to me. I know that just from being an engineer myself, it wasn't an incredibly difficult thing. And within five minutes of being at my house, they were like, oh, yeah, it's a cable. You know, it's whatever. And... You know luckily, I live in a small town in Redmond, Oregon um, but I can definitely appreciate those you know driving across Portland traffic or something or you know a big city to tell to for the exact same thing so that's that's pretty cool
1: and how much better of an experience would it even been for you if the pro shows up the first time with the replacement part and so the first time you guys are interacting, they're already prepared to make the fix. Instead of them assessing and then going to the store and then coming back maybe, maybe the same day, but most likely days or weeks later. Mm. So with stream, uh, the first time they do come out, they can already be prepared to to fix the issue for you.
0: And is this something that is like available today on the app store or when, when is that available? When will it be?
1: Yeah. So it's available today on, uh, Android and, and iOS phones and tablets. Um, Right now, the best way to get into stream is to get an invite from one of our existing pros. Um, however, we will very shortly be opening up the consumer app so you can get on and you can self-select any pro you'd like.
0: Uh, so it's, right now, it's only available for the pros because obviously you need a steady base or supply of those people for when the consumer does get on?
1: Exactly. So right now, the pros are inviting their customers uh, to stream with them.
0: I'm sure you're familiar with this. There's probably, there's. I'm surprised at how few people have heard of Thumbtack. Um, you've heard of them, correct? Absolutely. So what's, what is the, and I guess I'll do my best to describe what Thumbtack is for anyone that has not heard of it, but basically it's a website you go to. Um, you can type in your zip code and then say, I need a you know, person to build a deck or I need a photographer or a singer or whatever the specific professional service that you need, they, you fill out a short quote or form and then it sends it to the professional who then responds to you. Um, And it happens very fast. What, what is the, I guess, and this is kind of more of an entrepreneurial question, you know that not only Thumbtack, but there's probably other people working on something like this. How do you guys handle or, or what's the move that you guys are making to distinguish yourself from Thumbtack, but at the same time knowing that what it like Thumbtack theoretically could roll out a similar
1: feature? Yeah, so I think Thumbtack's a, a really great platform. Last time I checked, I think they have about 1,100 categories, probably more by now. Um, and they do a very great job of building up that marketplace. Um, and then if you don't know what professional you want to work with, um, yeah, filling out a questionnaire and, and getting connected to that professional. I think the advantage that we have um, at Stream is uh, we're focusing on our core competency, which is we're a technology company. We've been in the augmented reality machine learning space uh, since 2010. So we're really looking to partner with companies and marketplaces like like Thumbtack and Home Advisor and House, etc. These companies already have these great marketplaces, and this technology is, uh, maybe not surprisingly, really difficult to get right. Um, So we really want to focus on that core experience. Uh, We want to focus on the collaboration um, and and partner with existing marketplaces. Mm,
0: Okay, so this would be, you would license out the software or the technology for Thumbtack to just basically turn it on? And allow their customers that makes sense in the particular categories to do that, because obviously you don't need this for a singer.
1: <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I think you could uh, one day imagine a world where uh, stream is a verb. Um, you're gonna you're gonna stream. When you say you're gonna stream someone, that means you're gonna stream an expert in a in a various category. Um, that's that's really our longer term vision and our you know our goal that we want to achieve in the coming years.
0: So, I'm going to kind of shift to your background. Um, I think from what I, at least from your profile on LinkedIn, you would be the definition of a serial entrepreneur at this point. And uh, you have now, uh, is it three companies? I guess technically four. There might have been some name changes. But the thing that's um, I guess I should just ask you how how tell me about that kind of desire and/ or inspiration to um, did you how many companies have you started I guess I should say
1: <laughs> um, well, let's see uh, I've started I guess three including stream um, so I had a company my first augmented reality company in 2010 uh, was called Ghost Runner. Um, so essentially what that was, um, it was uh, to help gamify uh, working out. So for instance, you would run a certain route, and the second time you'd race that route, you'd put on a pair of heads-up displays or smart glasses. They were really bulky back then, by the way. Um, and then you would race that same route, and you'd see your old 3D avatar, so basically a silhouette of yourself, run exactly where you ran from the time before, So we learned a lot about computer vision, machine learning, learning how to actually attach this virtual object to the real world in real time. Um, It was a lot of fun. Um, We collaborated a little bit with uh, Nike and their eyewear manufacturer, Marshawn. But the the hardware just wasn't quite there. Um, So we pivoted and we rolled our IP and learnings into a company called On-the-Go Platforms. Which built a used a lot of our learnings from the computer vision to build a gesture interface for wearable devices and also uh, handheld phones and tablets. Um, and this was primarily for enterprises. So, think of, you know, large corporations with large machinery. They're gloved up. They've either got a tablet or they're wearing smart glasses. And it's just an easier way to to swipe through different step-by-step instructions or press a button virtually. Um, so we built that up to about 350 enterprise uh, customers, 10 patents, over 100,000 end users, and uh, that was a- acquired in 2015 by a Bay Area company called Atheer.
0: Hmm. And then you were you required to stay on with theater for a certain amount of time?
1: Uh yeah. So I had a a, a basically two year contract to stay on with Atheer. So I made it about a year and a half <laughs> before I had to start something else.
0: Okay. So the the other thing that's very impressive to me is that I mean obviously augmented reality I feel like is um it's kind of the thing AR you know machine learning artificial intelligence it's just words the buzzwords that are getting thrown around a lot nowadays but what's crazy to me is that your first company ghost runner it looks like you graduated in 2009 from Azusa Pacific and immediately decided to go into this space um, which again, two thousand and ten augmented reality i 'm sure was talked about loosely. there definitely was not an AR kit on the iPhone yet, and no no not even a talking about that really from the consumer perspective where does Where did this um, kind of inspiration or desire for AR because it seems like that 's the common thread through your companies? Did you study this in college or was it kind of from video games or how did where did this um, come from?
1: I guess a, a little of it could be um, could have spawned out of you know playing Mario Kart and seeing those ghost time trials and, and racing your old ghost. Um, but really what it came out of is uh, just my desire to create and to um, try to do things that I, that make me uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and with Ghost Runner, what that really was was I really just had this sense of I, I wanted to be one step better because i was running every single day and i just i wanted to see where i slowed down and sped up in my runs it was that simple and so i i launched into basically six plus months of R D um just in my my spare time to try to figure out what is the best way for me to to make that happen i went through i went through a bunch of different things audio cues uh, uh projectors that project onto the the pavement, uh, multiple things. And, and what I landed on was I didn't even know what augmented reality was at, at that time. Um, but there was some some research papers and white papers about it. And, uh, it's one of the things that I landed on. And I, I just so happened to stumble upon a, a little company called Vuzix, And they were one of the leading companies in the space. They made the hardware, the smart glasses that I ended up using. Um and i remember i had the the ceo of Uzix, paul travers he i bugged him for almost a year that i was doing this research and finally he said hey kid you know stop bugging me are you coming to ces in january and i had no idea what ces was and i said oh yeah i'll be there and he said okay great let's meet and so i met with paul at ces uh in 2011 and he showed me one of the first pairs of see through smart glasses uh in existence and my life was just changed. I knew this was the space I wanted to be a part of and help play any part in trying to usher it into existence.
0: That's awesome. I feel like that's a uh you one of the things that I immediately latched onto is you said I try to do things that make me uncomfortable or you want to do things. Were you saying specifically in working out or that's kind of what's driven you in all of just business and life?
1: Yeah, really in, in business and life. I, I I feel the when I've seen my mentors or other people that I look up to really learning, and when I've really learned is in the is during the really uncomfortable times.
0: Because <laughs> then, actually, that now you're making me. This is just down the entrepreneur rabbit hole. One thing that I have struggled with is, um, at, you know, I started Sky four years ago. Um, and we've like evolved a number of times to which I would say realistically, it's basically been three different companies, but I just haven't changed the name. Um, And we're, you know, shift totally from um, drone stuff to like wedding videographer type things to production, marketing, but we've kind of always been in the, I guess the marketing space on some level with creative work. And one thing that I struggle with is, I think of myself as someone that has a lot of grit or determination but how do you um, as an entrepreneur and this is maybe more of like a philosophy or a gut feeling that I'm asking um, for thoughts on how do you know when to continue to persist and pursue a particular venture or when it's time to basically use your uh, intuition and say I've got I need to pursue a better opportunity or now that I've learned everything that I can from this I need to scrap this and, and go a different route. Does that make sense? Because obviously great companies are not easy to create and it requires determination. But at what point is determination just killing you because you're too um, stupid to say, hey, let this go, jump to the next thing?
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's one of the most difficult uh, questions um, for an entrepreneur because you have to be a little crazy. you have to have a lot of grit to succeed as an entrepreneur because although it's it's glorified on various TV shows it's it's one of the hardest things that anyone who actually succeeds will ever go through. Um, so I think every entrepreneur will face you know is this a dead end? Should I keep going and to help make that decision i I think one of the the best phrases that I've really learned over even the past couple of years is something called micro pivots. So it's not making a, a big pivot and transition your whole company, but making a bunch of smaller micro pivots, um, as you learn along the way. And I think that's the best way to learn and iterate quickly, listen to the customer, um, with a grain of salt. Cause of course, sometimes they don't know exactly what they want or what they need. So you have to have a good filter. Um, but as you're making these micro-pivots and you're learning, um, eventually you're going to get to either a dead end or or a breakthrough. And part of the difficulty is realizing this is a dead end. And I think when you get to that point, you've exhausted all of your time, all of your resources, and trying to make something successful. Um, you have even uh, your customers, they're just not adopting it or it's not scaling. And I think at that time, uh you really have to evaluate and even bring out bring in some outside perspective um to help you evaluate is this something that you know maybe the market's not ready for and that's what we really had to do at on the go platforms we were uh, way ahead of our time and uh, even building our gesture interface we had a successful outcome but we could have kept we could have raised more money and kept going at that but after making our micro pivots we learned that You know, this technology really needs to be integrated with the hardware. And the best way to do that is one, we build our own hardware, which we didn't want to do. That's a whole nother story. Or two, um, we partner strategically with another company who's building the hardware. Um, So as we went down that route, we got some interest and and got acquired, and it ended up being the right decision for us. But that is one of the really tough, tough questions. so I, I don't know, I don't know if that helps answer it or not, but
0: <laughs> no, I think that that's when you're saying micro pivots. Um, I think I know what you're saying. Do you have an example in your existing company of like defining with a story what a micro pivot would be in your recent past?
1: So a micro pivot is something where you're not changing the whole uh, existence of your company for a, a different vertical or for uh, or building a, a new product. Um, a micro pivot all related to to stream is when my co-founder Sean and I were building stream for consumers and we wanted this to be a two-sided marketplace out of the gate Um, but the more we learned we started making these little micro pivots in our product to focus more on the, the pro product make the pro product more robust and we kept getting pulled that way and the whole point when you're initially building a company is to, is to learn iterate quickly and kill your own assumptions. And a lot of people, they don't take their own advice and do that. Um, so as we're making these micro pivots to make the pro app more robust, we started to learn that maybe we shouldn't have a two sided marketplace. And we had categories that users could self select, um, on the consumer app. And what we did instead is we took that away we put up an uh, invite code. So you had to have an invite code to get in the consumer app. And we made it the only way for consumers to get in is for for pros to actually invite them um, to stream with them. And so that that took a lot of iterations to get us there. Um, if we would have went down the other path, I think we would have ended up hitting a wall um, very quickly and we probably wouldn't have ended up um, failing for good. But since we listened and we made a bunch of these small pivots, we were able to build a product that uh, that focuses on what needs to be focused on today, which is the pros and building up the supply side. And what we learned is now those pros are going to help us invite the demand side, the customers for us. So one day we'll still get there. It's just timing uh, wasn't right initially.
0: Mm, so that's actually really interesting. As you're describing that, that's a very brilliant strategy because The pros, you determine very quickly by, I'm assuming, asking questions and, you know, setting up meetings and showing them what you're working on. Basically, what could we do to make this more valuable for you? And realizing that the pros would want something like this so that um, I'm like, is is the idea that right now if I call a company that happens to have a stream account, they would say, "Do you happen to have a
1: smartphone? Do you want to just download this so we could do an evaluation right now?" Exactly. So pros are starting to put a unique stream link in their email signatures. That if you're a customer and you click on it, it will it will download the app for you. We'll recognize if you have an Android or iOS device, um, and then it'll get you right into that company within under sixty seconds. So we spent a lot of time on, okay, if we're not going to focus on the consumer, how can we make it extremely easy? for these pros to invite their customers. And so the pros have the ability to either share this unique link or through the app they can text the customer a link that will get them right in.
0: Oh, that's brilliant. That's very cool. I guess I'm just assuming based on uh, how what year you graduated compared to compared to me. I'm assuming you're, you know, early 30s now, correct?
1: Yes, uh, 31.
0: 31. So you have a a lot of career ahead of you, um, as do I, what would you go back to tell Ryan in 2009 right when you graduated?
1: Yeah, um, I unfortunately and fortunately learned uh, from the school of hard knocks. So I I did everything the hard way the first time around. So I have a lot that I would share with younger Ryan, but um, I think if I could share one piece of advice it would be to surround myself um, with with good advisors, with good mentors um, that I can learn from, and do my due diligence um, on all of them before before I let them in. Um, getting in the bed with the wrong team or the wrong people um, can really set you back and put you on different paths. Um, and I think being green, I, I was very trusting, so I. I think I w- that's one of the biggest advice that I would give myself is really seek out people who have been there and done it before um, and learn from them uh, before jumping in head first.
0: Do you think that, and maybe this is my own, again, this is just drawing from my own experience, um, it's intimidating, first of all. I'm thinking back to myself almost five years ago when I graduated. Um, it's intimidating to, like, seek people out when you basically haven't done anything and you feel like what what, what is your strategy um and i guess it, it probably changes as your experience changes as well but can you really just basically call on people um or is your example of kind of that guy who um views sex view sex is it, or view six music music's yeah. um like, is that an example of through persistence, you um annoy someone in a good way until they're <laughs> like, "Okay, fine, I'll talk to you."
1: Yeah, I mean, the good entrepreneurs the the people who are really experienced they've they've got the scars to prove it, they're the ones who really appreciate perseverance because they're the reason why they're not getting back to you nine times out of ten is because they're so busy and you get lost in their inbox, so they appreciate you reaching out. Um, I mean, you also have to do it in a very tactful way. Um, you, you don't want to bug them. <laughs> you definitely want to take the approach of, Hey, I would love to buy you, you know, 10, 15 minute, uh, coffee and, and just pick your brain, um, on how you got to be where you are today and, and do your research on the person, like put a little bit of their life into that one or two sentences Um, and most of the time, I think people will be very surprised that they'll be successful in getting these quick coffees that can turn into a little bit longer coffees and then maybe even an advisor down the road. Um, but it's, it just goes back to being okay with being uncomfortable. Um, the, everyone's been in your position before, uh, most people have, um, and, you know, being uncomfortable is okay. That's that's how you know that you're you're doing something right.
0: Do you do things to like practice being uncomfortable, or are you like, how do you continue to work on being uncomfortable?
1: Well, uh, I think if you're building a company, it's going to come naturally <laughs> at first. It's going to come right on. You're yeah, you're definitely going to be uncomfortable in a lot of scenarios. I mean, just reaching out to people you don't know. um, uh, meeting with strangers for coffee to pick their brain putting yourself out there is just for most people very uncomfortable and uh, that's what you're going to have to do to be successful as an entrepreneur um, so i'd be between that and you know going to events, events and networking which is also uncomfortable for people and uh, it, it should come pretty quick <laughs> if, if you're pushing forward
0: right because from my experience networking in particular my theory or philosophy now is that networking is never comfortable for anybody some people are just better at being uncomfortable than than others and the more you do it the more used to that you are but every single time you're still like striking up conversations with absolutely random people that you should realize are also there for the same exact reason
1: exactly and i mean the more conversations you have the more you learn the more you have to share um with your next conversation and so if you take every conversation as a learning and taking tidbits from each and every single one you'll you'll feel more and more prepared and it's it's not really like riding a bike you have to continually practice at it Um, but once you do it does become a lot easier and you kind of go through the motion and it it actually becomes uncomfortably fun uh, eventually
0: what does success look like to you as of today
1: i mean for the the point that we're at at Stream, success is uh, product market fit. So we're uh, we're almost there. Um, we're securing some of our first paying customers. Uh, we're, it's a really exciting time for us. So I think uh, product market fit is our next really big milestone, um, and one that we're getting closer to. But I think that's probably one of the one of the biggest milestones that an early startup could get. Um is getting that customer validation um, and then after that it's it's scaling, which brings on its uh, whole new challenges but um for us it's it's really about that market fit
0: and for you personally, I guess my question is always the deeper purpose what's motivating you what's driving you let's say that stream does fantastic and um what where do you draw um Again, I don't know if it's if it is purpose, motivation, passion, um, but like, what's the at the end of your life, what does success look like, or how do you, how are you going to know that you have been successful?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a very big, deep question. <laughs> um, I think uh, with the time that we have allotted, uh, I think at the at the end of my, I will call it entrepreneurial journey. Um, I'll look back and, and see if I was successful, um, if what I built in, influenced people's lives for the better. Um, we, we really are trying to, well, me personally, I've always tried to build things that has a purpose um, and that can really impact people's lives, make their lives easier or make their lives better. Um, so I think it's a combination of that. Did I do that? Um, did I play even a small part in that? Um, and then also I'm so passionate that augmented reality is going to be one of the next just revolutionary technologies is going to touch everybody's life, uh, whether they, they know it or not today. And so looking back and, and playing any part in that becoming successful, um, I will be extremely satisfied. And, uh, yeah and just excited and feel feel like I had a very purpose-driven life
0: that actually making me think I'm sure with all of the places whether it's CES or um, in the different conferences that you go to what is something that you have seen demonstrated even if it's like a a beta version or an early concept that you um, feel like customers or the average consumer wouldn't believe is coming
1: yeah, there's, there's a couple. I, I think autonomous technology is going to be fascinating, whether it's, it's vehicles or machines or robots, etc. cetera. Um, I think that's going to be as big as augmented reality. Um, I think one of the coolest experiences, again, I'm extremely biased, but um, when I first tried uh, a Microsoft HoloLens um, up in Redmond, I... I knew that this is, this is it. Like we're on the right path. Um, glasses will be here one day. We're still years out. Um, but it's just such a cool and impactful technology. And there's not a practical use for headworn devices outside of the enterprise today. Um, but there will be. Um, and if, if people can build uh, AR headsets in a fashionable way that people actually wear, which I believe they will, and build the experience into a way where it really uh, immerses with reality and enhances reality and doesn't complicate it with ads and all this other stuff. Um, I think I, I, we can't even imagine what it's going to do for humanity. That the instant access to information, contextual information on the world uh, is going to be life altering for humanity
0: what is
1: the what is microsoft hololens i haven't heard of that uh so microsoft hololens is a uh, smart glass device so it's got um, dual optics it's got it's a self contained device so it's a a a big pair of glasses essentially that you put on your head you look through the optics and you see virtual content that attaches to the real world wow and it's a it's becoming better high definition quality, but uh, it really uh, mixes with your environment. So when you attach something, say on your table or on the wall, um, it stays there. You could have a 100 or 200 inch flat screen virtual TV on your wall and watch movies. Uh, it's Yeah, it's pretty incredible, both the tracking, all the computations done on the device, and then the optics, It's um, it's, it's really cool. <laughs>
0: huh. I'll have to, I'm looking at the Microsoft website for this. I'll link that in the show notes as well. D- is, do you think, is it conceivable that this is something that we would have like in contacts?
1: Um, I think one day, yeah, there could be contacts. There could be an implant. Um, but I think in the nearer future, um, what our kids will grow up with are a pair of glasses that they can take on and off Um, and it will interact with uh, maybe you come home for the day you take off the glasses because they're mobile and then your your home actually has some displays that can project onto um, various uh, environments within the home Um, and all interact with your voice your gestures and the context that's awesome
0: yeah i'm i'm super pumped for stuff like that i i saw and this is kind of a uh, more of just a novelty usage of it, but I saw a little thing on being at a sporting event like a basketball game or a baseball game, and you're watching the game at the arena, but it has you know little like tracking points on all the players and it's giving you statistics on you know what the person's shooting percentage is or how, what you know what percentage of the last shots they made or missed and kind of like the overlays that they show you on ESPN but in real time and getting to just uh, trying to enhance your experience at a something like a sporting event.
1: Exactly. That's, that's a great example. And what's exciting about that is now you don't have to be an avid NBA enthusiast to know the stats and to understand the game better. You could be anybody and now be an expert <laughs> at watching the NBA game. And that can be applied to other aspects of life is once you have the internet and reality combined, you can really become an expert in almost anything.
0: So where does that, this is another kind of philosophical question, the skill is no longer in the knowledge. And this is kind of already happening with internet as it is, but it's not, not so much what your IQ on a particular thing is. But your emotional intelligence is going to be far more valuable than, you know, even nowadays, like, did you memorize your multiplication tables? Sort of like, yeah, it's still not a bad thing to memorize, but at some point, and obviously multiplication tables is maybe too elementary, but there's, you know, just math and memorization and history and whatnot that, like I'm I'm assuming... Um is just not even going to need to be taught because you'll just always have that if you need it
1: yeah I think I think it in the not too distant future that that could be true. I think people are gonna become as you mentioned more emotionally intelligent um, but also gonna become generous. We're gonna become um, better learners really um because when you have access to all this information, you're gonna really. Get better at knowing what you should actually spend time learning and what you don't necessarily need to because you have the information already. Um, so, it's similar to like a calculator. Um, the calculator, before there was one, you still had to learn arithmetic, you still had to learn um, how to multiply and the basic principles of math. Post calculator, you still had to do that, but it enhanced your ability to do it quicker. And I think. In the short term, that's really what augmented reality is going to do is it's going to enhance your ability um, to exercise information and exercise your abilities just quicker.
0: All right, one question I always ask is book recommendations. I'm assuming that you um, are consuming a lot of information, whether that's in audiobooks, podcasts, websites, but do you have any recommendations on your favorites?
1: Yes. Um, the Hard Thing About Hard Things by Ben Horowitz. Is really good. It's a extremely raw look at being an entrepreneur. It Doesn't sugarcoat it, um, which I love. Um, venture Deals by Brad Feld and Jason Middleton. Um, I've been fortunate enough to work with both of them. They're from uh, they're the managing partners and founders of Foundry Group. Um, really great book if you're ever thinking about um, raising any type of venture capital. Um, and then of course I have to mention it, The Lean Startup. Um, incredible book, um, really teaches the principles of starting a startup and, um, doing it in a very lean way and, and a way that, um, you're able to move quickly and, and make these micro pivots, if you will. Right.
0: I have, I have not read venture deals. I have seen Brad speak, but I have read the hard thing about hard things and uh lean startup both. I love both of those as well. Um what is your and this is I, I haven't this is an interesting one. Not necessarily like an obvious favorite movie, um, you know, like a recent Star Wars or Star Trek, but do you have a favorite movie that's kind of like a sleeper hit or one that is good that you you know, people may not think of um
1: as a as a good movie? That's a good question. Um I would jump the gun and say ready player one. From Steven Spielberg that's coming out It's probably gonna be my new favorite. <laughs> so I'll just I'll go with that, but that's not really a sleeper movie.
0: Um well it could be. I mean we have no idea. Yeah, it could. <laughs> um how would you recommend that people get in touch with you?
1: Either uh through LinkedIn um or uh Twitter or uh happy to to chat with anyone if they email me Ryan at stream.pro.
0: Awesome. Um, And now to just uh, bring us home, I have 10 questions that are just rapid fire. You don't have to give any justification. You could answer in one word if you want. What is the first thing you'd think of in the morning?
1: Uh, My calendar.
0: iPhone or Samsung? iPhone. Would you rather work eight hours standing or 10 hours sitting?
1: Eight hours standing.
0: Where is the farthest you have ever traveled from home? Uh, Italy. What age do you want to retire? Never. That was my next question: Was what does retire mean to you? <laughs>
1: um, more vacations, maybe a little less work.
0: And um, what scares you the most?
1: Uh, That's
0: ooh. What scares me the most?
1: Probably missing an opportunity.
0: Do you snore?
1: I don't think so. <laughs> Might have to ask my wife.
0: <laughs> and what is your ideal vacation?
1: Um, it's on a beach somewhere sprinkled in with some adventure, some horseback riding, ziplining, something along those lines.
0: And last question, Nike or Under Armour?
1: Gonna have to go with Nike. I'm from Portland, Oregon.
0: Um, all right. Well, thank you very much, Ryan, for, uh, taking some time to share your thoughts and whatnot. And um, yeah, I'm excited to, to share this with everyone.
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. It's been fun.
0: Thank you, everyone, for your attention and listening to another episode of The Pursuit of Purpose. Your feedback and comments mean the world to me. If you liked what you heard, take a second and leave me a five-star review on iTunes. If you've got suggestions for future episodes or want to say hi, you can shoot me an email at chris at chriskiefer.net. And don't forget, I make it a point to include all of the links to the books, movies, and resources that were mentioned in this episode in the show notes. You can find those notes directly in the episode description or on my website at chriskiefer.net. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people.